You listen to me. Put the bunny back in the box. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Hello, 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 and welcome to Cage Unleashed. I am your host, as always, Lego. Today I am talking about the 2010 film Sorcerer's Apprentice, directed by John Turtletaub, who also did the National Treasure films, and produced by Jerry Brockheimer, along with Disney. So we had a lot of writers, at least three, um... Lawrence Connor, Mark Rosenthal, Mac Lopez, with Rosenthal probably being the most well-known of those three, uh, had a budget approximately of $150 million, which is a lot, and did not make that back in the box office. Well, it made $215 million worldwide in the box office, but that probably would be considered a box office uh, dud, unfortunately. Not quite a bomb, but a dud. <laughs> um, this film is starring Nicolas Cage, Jay Barnshell, I don't think I said his name right, I never do, Alfred Molina, and Teresa Palmer. To be honest, I didn't look her up because she looks like about 15 blonde actresses who were really big at that time. And I just feel like they're inter-exchangeable and she's completely pointless in this film. Yeah, indie ways. So... This movie is kind of based on a 1797 poem. Oh god, I don't know if I can pronounce this. Der Zauberling? Der Zauberling? Der Zauberling. I think I said that right. By Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. It is basically, if you've ever seen Fantasia which I'm sure most people have probably seen the scene with Mickey and he's using all of those. Uh, he's wearing like the big pointed hat with the stars on it and he brings the mops to life and then the axes and all starts to like nearly flood his, his house. It's That is essentially the poem. And I'm just going to go ahead and quote the wiki that the poem concludes with the old sorcerer's statement that only a master should invoke powerful spirits. We'll we'll get to that a little later, I think. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and go through the plot and make jokes because that's what I do. So, Britain, 1740 AD. The narration opens. I'm going to read this whole fucking thing. Ready? Ready. The war between sorcerers was fought in the shadows of history, and the fate of mankind rested with just and powerful Merlin. He taught his secrets to three trusted apprentices. Balthazar Blake, Veronica, and Maxim Horvath, who I'm just going to refer to as Doc Ock. I don't care. He's Doc Ock. He should have only trusted two. Veronica and Balthazar witnessed the savagery of a sorcerer beyond eagle, beyond evil, rather, Morgana Le Fay, Merlin's most deadly enemy. Okay, sidebar though, Morgana Le Fay is generally considered to be a good sorceress in in Arthurian legends, getting back to like Welsh mythology. Um, later on in more recent I say recent updates, but ones that just aren't as old as the originals. Um, she starts to be a little bit more ambiguous in terms of good or evil. She can kind of go either way. But originally she was conceived as good. And if anything, I'm just saying like maybe Merlin had it coming. Because dude was sketchy. Like people think Dumbledore is bad. He's based on Merlin for a reason. Merlin was a douche what I said. Morgana and Merlin fight in this, this opening scene, which is part art, 
part live action, part just just focusing on the lens on a Matrushka. I don't understand, but okay. So Morgana and Merlin fight, and Morgana kills Merlin with Horvath's help because yes, Horvath has turned against Balthazar and Veronica. More on that later. So back to the narration. And so it was. Morgana gained sorcery's most dangerous spell, known as the Rising, giving Morgana the power to raise an army of the dead and enslave mankind. So what I'm getting here is that, like, Morgana Le Fay totally wants to start the zombie apocalypse, and honestly, good for her. Anyway, moving on. Veronica sacrificed herself for Balthazar by drawing Morgana's soul into her own body. But Morgana began to kill her from the inside to save Veronica's life. And to capture Morgana, Balthazar trapped them both in the Grimhold. I will only call the Grimhold Matrushka because the Grimhold is just a Matrushka. If you do not want to know what a Matrushka is, a Matrushka is a Russian nesting doll. So it's going to be like the doll where the big one, like there's a big one and then you open it, there's a smaller one inside and you open it, there's a smaller one inside and so on and so forth until you get to the smallest solid one. Okay, so the Grimhold, an escapable prison. Over time, Balthazar fought many sorcerers who tried to free Morgana, trapping them in layer upon layer of the doll. Eventually, he captured Horvath as well. As Merlin lay dying, he gave Balthazar his dragon ring, saying it would guide him to the child who would one day grow to be Merlin's successor, the prime Merlinian, the only one who could kill Morgana. Balthazar would search for centuries, enter montage, and never, it is said, will Balthazar waver from his quest, for mankind will never be safe until Morgana is destroyed by the prime Merlinian. Honestly, the Matrushka is giving Ghostbusters ghost trap, if I'm being honest. But I kind of like the design. I mean, I don't think this, the doll's design is very good. But I like the idea that you're trapping all these evil, like, sorcerers in a Matrushka. Like, that's creative. I Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay. So, then we cut to New York. The year 2000. We're four minutes and 16 seconds in and we're just now cutting. That was a long narration. Not Lord of the Rings long, but long. So we're introduced to Dave Stutler, who's played by Jake Cherry, most notably from the Night of the Museum films. He's woken up by his doggy, Tank, and he's going on a field trip today. Fun. Ben. Over the title credits, we get uh, The Middle by Jimmy Eats World because they really want you to know that this movie is from 2010. We see Dave's not like the other kids. He's creative and cool. And he likes this little blonde named Becky. There'll be more on Becky. Uh, he even passes a note to Becky that's like, do you want to be my girlfriend? Checkbox, yes or no, very fourth grade, which is fine because he's in fourth grade. But oh no. The note blows away in a final destination montage. It sticks to a bicycle wheel. It gets stuck on a dog's paw, thrown by the dog's owner, where it's blown down an alley and into a shop, which honestly, this shop has such a great name. Arcana Cabana. I love it. It was established in 1888. So I'm assuming that Balthazar has just been chilling at this shop since 1888. What was New York City like in 1888? I actually don't know. Now I'm curious. Neither here nor there. Moving on. So inside the shop, Arcana Cabana, uh, Dave meets Balthazar, Nick Cage. And after knocking a lot of stuff over, <laughs> Balthazar just comes up and he's creepy as hell. Uh, and I noticed at this point that, well, okay, so Balthazar knows his name is Dave. And Dave's like, how do you know my name? He's like, I read your mind. No, it's on your backpack. And I noticed Dave is in fourth grade. He's like nine. And his, he just has like a plain boring red backpack. Nothing even fun on it. I don't know what was cool in 2000. Actually, wait, he would have been older than me. I don't know. I can't remember what I would have had on a backpack in fourth grade. I feel like something though, at least a dog or 
Dragon Ball Z something. It wouldn't just been a plain old boring red backpack. It's fine. It's tragic, but it's fine. So Balthazar shows Dave this dragon ring. And it actually is a pretty cool, like, piece. But it's bulky. This is like a literal... Did anyone ever have those, uh, those, those, like, dragon statues as a kid? It looks kind of like one of those that was scaled down to fit on a ring. And the, the part that goes around the finger is the tail. So it wraps around. It's, you know... I think the ring, yes, I do think the ring is pretty sick. I was less than nine years old in 2000. Yes, yes, that is true. That is, that is math. Indeed. So the ring reacts to Dave. Like it comes to life and wraps his tail around his finger. And, to, and uh, Dave is like not having any of this. He's like, you know, I better not. My teacher said I couldn't be gone for long. And she knows I'm here. He's totally lying. But I do like that. It shows he's smart. He knows stranger danger. Stranger danger isn't necessarily the healthiest thing. But, 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 but. I mean, at least it shows like, you know, oh, someone's going to be looking for me. Gotta get away from this scary, scary man. Um, but Balthazar is so relieved that the ring has finally reacted some to someone because he's been looking for this primer Linian kid for over 1200 years. It's been a journey. And he's kind of talking to Dave, trying to get him on board with training for magic. And it is in this moment where Nick Cage is doing his soft-spoken kind of uh, build-em-up speech that I realized Nick Cage needs to play one Nick Kringle, jolly old Saint Nick, Santa. In, in the next 10 years, Nick Cage definitely needs to play Santa. I've gone off the rails a little bit, but I'll bring it back. Um, Balthazar tells Dave that he's an important sorcerer, and one day he'll he'll be like one of the most important sorcerers in the world. And his first lesson begins now with an incantus. However, we don't learn what an incantus is yet, not till later. Um, and he leaves him alone in this magic shop with a ring, magic ring on his finger, to go downstairs to find said incantus. You know. Balthazar, you had 1,200 years to learn how to, like, train children. Um, you did nothing with that time. <laughs> you don't leave a child alone with a magical ring on their finger in a shop full of nonsense. Oh, ridiculous. So anyway, while unattended, uh, Dave finds the Trushka because, of course, he does. Pulls it out of a wall, opens it, and unleashes Doc Ock because, of course, he did. It's horrible. Doc Ock, like, reforms as a bunch of cockroaches. I didn't need that in my life. It is nastiness, and I'm not okay with it. So Horvath, aka Doc Ock, is back, and he's pulled out here like a Jumanji. Like, what year is this? I don't think he says that. He says, uh, what year am I in? Or something along those lines. I don't know. Balthazar comes and saves Dave. He's a bit annoyed. Like, he's really giving exasperated weekend dad throughout this whole movie. And I'm right there with you, bud. Right there with you. Dave? Dave needs to shut the up and get off the... Is it Should I get off the pot? He's, he's very... He needs to watch Clerks and figure his stuff out. <sighs> Balthazar, uh, he's a little cock, He's a little cocky, you know? And that, that allows Horvath, a.k.a. Doc Ock, to get the upper hand, so they're battling, a fire breaks out, and they end up going into this uh, urn that locks people in it for 10 years, which I think is smart because that gives us a 10-year period where we don't have to think about where they are or what they're doing, and we can allow Dave to not be a kid, but to be, you know, a 20-year-old Nope, he's a kid, 20-year-old kid. Uh, but at least he's not a 10-year-old kid. Although, if I'm being honest, if I had to choose between Jake Bear Bearchow, I can't say his name. If I had to choose between Jay whatever or Jerry Cherry, that's not his name. Oh my god. Jake Cherry or Jay Bearchow, I definitely choose Jake Cherry. Like he is 
much more fun to watch on screen. Just a lot more, I felt like, chemistry with Nick Cage. Uh, oh God, I'm sorry. I couldn't stand Jay Baruchel in this movie. And as we go through this plot, it's going to become apparent. <laughs> uh, so the, the store was on fire. Dave ends up getting wet. Uh, he ran out of the store. And his teacher and the class apparently found him, even though he ran 50 blocks to find this will you be my girlfriend note ridiculous uh there's dave is like crying and he tells the teacher what happened and when they go into the store they find no evidence of anything that he said has happened happens and all the kids are laughing at him because it looks as though he has wet his pants it, the whole thing is just kind of ridiculous and wild okie dokie so we're about 15 minutes in at this point and We've now cut to 10 years later, to the day, 10 years later. We're at 2010, which at that time was present, and now I feel old. It's fine. So fine. So fine. Dave wakes up basically the same way that he did as a kid, but now with more boring adulty stuff rather than fun kid stuff. With the same dog, though. Way to go, Tank. Apparently it's his birthday, which I feel like is very weird because in the opening scene with him as a child, they don't mention anything about it being his birthday, I don't think. So I don't really quite understand why they decided to make it his birthday. It doesn't play into the plot at all. But okay. So he lives in this crappy, messy apartment with his roommate, Bennett. Dave is supposed to give a presentation for a Physics 101 class. And this is basically just the writer's way of telling us that he's smart. He's not like the other boys. He's smart. Also, it seems like Bennett is smart as well. And they're like bio or he's a bio major and he's trying to get Dave to kind of go out because Bennett's a lot more kind of loosey-goosey, wants to have a good time, whereas Dave is super uptight. And I don't understand how you could lose literally all of your cool points between age 10 and 20, but he managed to do it. And that's what happens when you go from Jake Cherry to Jade Baruchel. Uh-huh. Said what I said. And Dave still has this dragon ring. We see it in this sock drawer. And it looks like all of his socks are wool socks. And I gotta ask, Dave boy, are you okay? Like, who only has wool socks? Who? Why? And it's raining outside. Don't wear wool socks when it's raining. There's a lot of problems happening. Um, anyway... I'm just going to move past that. Uh, Dave doesn't want to go out on his birthday. He needs to finish his Tesla coil project if he wants to graduate. More on the Tesla coil later. Like a lot more. Maybe too much. Maybe not enough. I haven't decided yet. And Bennett gives his patented gray wolf speech. The gray wolf is a pack animal. He must find a mate. He must hunt and grunt. He must participate. You're going to get booted out of the pack alone, eaten by a hungry bear. Apparently, Bennett also doubles, you know, night shift talking ghostwriter for Dr. Seuss. Way to go, Bennett. And Open Door blows Dave's notes all over the place in the, I guess, the auditorium where he's teaching the class for Physics 101. Okay, sir, you have got to get a paperweight. Or a paper clip, or a stapler, or a down notebook, a hole punch, and a binder. Like, Office Depot has so many solutions to a problem you've clearly been having for on the regular for over a decade. No one has this many papers blowing around. And they keep leading you to nonsense. Fix it. He meets Becky Barnes. Well, re-meets Becky Barnes. Who I'm just going to call Beck. Because these women are interchangeable. A mess. Can't do it. Not here for it. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. So he re-meets Beck. And he is very loud and awkward. And it's not cute at all. 
She remembers the field trip where he had the incident at Arcana Cabana. Really, anytime I have the chance to say Arcana Cabana, I'm gonna. Apparently, after that, we learned that he had transferred schools and got treatment for what he's calling a glucose imbalance. Listen, he is currently at what I'm calling a net negative situation. Oh, I was going to make a whole image for this and I forgot. But okay, so let's say you meet someone and you have previously met like years ago and you made a really bad first impression or a very lasting, rather bad impression, you're at what is known as a net negative. Now, not only do you have to get back to a neutral introductory phase, you have to, you have to overcome the negative just to get to the neutral so that you can, in hopes, get to a positive. Because, of course, you want the positive. <sighs> he, he's, he, the fact that they wrote this as a romance bothers me can you tell because you should be able to because it should just go teach your class dave just go teach your class anyway the class is over we cut to the end where dave catches up with becky and he walks her through the rain to her or to a radio station where she works it's a college radio station and she is a music ma- music major i can't enunciate she is a music major who works at a college radio station. Oh, there we go. And the radio station is struck by lightning and Dave grabs some engineering equipment and jargons them. It's It bothers me that they make him seem like the only person in this entire film who, other than Balthazar, whoever knows what they're talking about. When it's like the people who work at the radio station probably know what all that shit does, bro. And it like really annoys me that he's making it seem like he's the only one who knows what these words are. And in fact, he shouldn't know how to do any of this. They should know how to do all of it. It's very annoying and I don't like it. I feel like it's very lazy writing. Anyway, she goes and does her radio thing and plays Secrets by One Republic. Cool, cool, cool. In case you didn't know. This movie came out in 2010. They really want you to know that. So we cut to Horvath being released from the urn. So as I said, this urn locks people in it for 10 years. So since the opening scene was 10 years ago, they're Doc Ock and uh, Balthazar's time in the urn is up. So they're being released. I think it's interesting that the urn was purchased by someone and unfortunate because... They don't make it. So Doc Ock pitches the urn from the building and Balthazar is being released as it's falling. And oh man, we get we get a really, a really great looking Nick Cage. I mean, he's got this curly long hair, which is an interesting look on him. I'm gonna be honest, I like it. And I feel like the only movie we ever really see him with hair kind of like this is a uh, season of the witch, which I'll be doing um it's not my next one, but it it's coming up pretty soon. And you know, to be honest, I I like the hairstyle on him. It's nice. It's nice. It's a good look for him. Good look for him. Or I don't know if it would still be. He was, you know, still a little younger back then. And you know, sometimes things that work on him when you're younger don't necessarily look as good when you're older. Your face changes. Your face changes. Uh, Horvath quickly finds Dave, and he gives him the most terrifying jump scare I think I've ever seen. He startles him by putting a report that he he had because it went into the urn with them. So it was a, a paper that he wrote on Napoleon Bonaparte in fourth grade that he got a B plus on. He put it in the refrigerator. So when Dave opens the refrigerator, he's startled by this paper from fourth grade that he got a B plus on. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. And then Ho- Doc Ock proceeds to read him to filth because that's the only thing he's had to read for the past 10 years. It's so funny and honestly, Kind of fair. Although, in Dave's defense, he was 10. So, anyway. So, Doc Ock brings a pack of wolves to life to chase Dave in onto the train tracks where they get turned into puppies by Balthazar. And I'm just going to be real honest. They're such cute puppies. They're so cute. I just want them. I love puppies. And Balthazar swoops in on a metal 
eagle that was part of the architecture of one of the New York City buildings, and they fly away together. Kind of romantic. Dave is mad that Balthazar has been released from the urn where he was in prison for the past decade because you see Dave too has been in an urn a figurative urn of ridicule can't stand Dave I don't like Dave he is so annoying you know it's interesting when you I've watched this movie I really like this movie but when I had to sit down and take notes on it I'm like oh my god Dave shut the up you're like the worst you're like piper from the back half of charmed the most insufferable character oh can't stand it anyway back to the notes about the czar is just not giving any concern about dave like try to be a good listener dave which is just the nicest way to say shut the fuck up you little boy and i don't care about your problems we're talking about the end of the world and so Balthazar proceeds to explain the importance of the Matrushka and that Dave has a very special gift, but Dave just wants to be normal. But unfortunately for Dave, he's not like the other boys. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like this. Okay, so if anyone in the chat, um, I'm going to go ahead and say this, but go ahead and tell me if you want me to read that, give like a, a dramatic reading of this. Okay, so Balthazar gets his car from the impound, which has been there for 10 years. So it's a 1935 Roy's Royce Phantom, which was a Nicholas's Cage, one of his personal cars. So I will give a dramatic reading of the car's description on Wikipedia, if you would like me to. Because I was reading it, and I gotta say, I don't think I've ever read something in my life where I could legitimately say, I don't know what is single word means here not one not one single all right i got one do it if we get another one i will because i have it pulled up and it's ridiculous i don't know why i'm like this <laughs> i'm i'm so dumb <laughs> but it, it is a cool looking car i did get a picture of it ah, here we go it's this vehicle right here isn't it cool like, I feel like this is something that um, the Munsters would drive. I wonder what the Munsters did drive. I'll have to look that up later. Ah, I'm hitting all the wrong buttons now. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, and I also like that Balthazar, Nick Cage, he's playing this character as a bit of a goofball, kind of a trickster. Like, he's serious, but he has some fun stuff in him and i do love that okay so i've got multiple do it so i'll do it okay so i'm gonna go ahead and read the description under drivetrain all right the phantom 2 used a refinement of the new phantom 7.7 l pushrod ohv straight six engine with a new crossflow cylinder head Unlike on previous 4050 HP models, the engine was bolted directly to the four-speed manual transmission. Synchro mesh was added to give gears three and four in 32 or 1932, and on gear two in 1935, power was transmitted to the rear wheels using an open drive shaft. A Hypoid bevel drive, final drive, and Hotchkiss drive, replacing the torque tube. Torque tube? I have no idea. From a remotely mounted gearbox used on earlier 4050 HP models. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and that was my dramatic reading of the description. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, I just thought I was just reading that like, I have no idea what any of that means. Oh, apparently it was also used in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And those are apparently the only two movies it's been used in. I wonder if both of those were Nicolas Cage's or just one. How many are left? It doesn't say. It doesn't tell me. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the back to the plot because I've lost the plot completely. <laughs> uh, exposition. 
people only use 10% of their brains. Sorcerers can manipulate matter because they are born with the capability to use the entire power of their brains. You might say, you might say that they're limitless. So hence, this is why Dave is good at molecular physics. So I'm going to go ahead and just say, because it bothers me that the whole people can only use 10% of their brains thing is a misnomer. Um, you don't use all of your brain all of the time. But you do use all of your brain. Thank you for your time. Balthazar teaches Dave a basin combatant spell. Uh, which is making fire. And you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that that doesn't seem safe because, listen, we saw how that worked out for Willow on the beach. You have to balance your elements. Dave and Willow, these naive people using magic, thinking that they're pros and they not. That's the lesson of the movie. <laughs> you choose to use 8% of your brain. Oh, ambassador. So Doc Ock uh, kills someone and is just continuing his look for the Matrushka. Oh, and he finds it. I guess that's important to know. So we go to a Chinatown parade. There is so much confetti in this scene. Apparently, it took like five months to film this whole thing. And I can see why. There is so much confetti. It said they used half a ton of confetti. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know why we measure things in tons because no one uses that metric so i'm going to use a metric that i think is more applicable and you know more usable for people they used half an elephant of confetti now i've never met an elephant but that seems like a lot of confetti it's very pretty, though. I absolutely love it. I think it's a stunning, stunning set piece. Balthazar goes to get the Matrushka from his old shop, Arcana Cabana, and he encounters Doc Ock. They fight. There's a confetti monster, and the Horvac releases one of the sorcerers who was locked in the Matrushka, Sun Luck. Okay, and then he goes after Dave. And he transforms this, like, um, I should have got a picture. So, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen these in parades. Those, like, long Chinese dragons uh, that are, like, very popular in Chinese mythologies and um, icono iconography. Um, but you, basically, it's a whole bunch of people uh, make up the dragon and they, they hold sticks and move it while walking does everyone know what I'm talking about? This definitely makes sense in my brain when I'm braining it. Well, anyway, he turns one of those into a real dragon. And it's actually kind of terrifying because we see it turn into a real dragon from the outside in. So we see the people who were um, puppeting the, the, you know, dragon get essentially eaten and killed as it's turned into a real flesh dragon. It's kind of horrifying. And uh, then... Dave is being chased by a real dragon. Long story short, the dragon gets defeated and Doc Ock runs away. And then Balthazar and Dave shoot off in his vehicle. After he turns them into police officers for a moment, uh, I don't know, it's, it's random. I like it. It's fun. I like that Balthazar has a little, you know, he has some goofs. He's an interesting character. I could have dealt with, like, uh, I honestly think the story would have been better if we had watched, like, the, you know, 740 AD portion of the movie. I think that would have been better than what we have here, which is just, I just think, kind of boring and played out. Not very interesting. And I don't like Dave Baruchel in this movie. He's so annoying. They wrote Dave dirty. They wrote Dave dirty. So back to Dave. Uh, he decides he wants to learn some magic because it's kind of cool. So they go to his lab and Balthazar gives Dave his pocket edition in Kansas, their textbook, their art, their history of sorcery. And it, I like how it unfolds. Like it's folded down to a little pocket size and he unfolds it into the normal size that it is, which is I'm going to say the size of me as a human being. It's a very large book. Had they done that and it's 
uh, weight caught up to me, I would have been on the floor. The fact that Dave stood his ground, honestly, maybe he is hitting the gym. Where'd he go, Dave? Balthazar makes a ring of fire, which is a Merlin circle, and we get a training montage, which kind of just feels like, let's get down to business to defeat Horvath. Did they send me a coward when I asked for millennials? You're the saddest nerd that I ever met. But you can bet, before we're through, Dave, I'll make a sorcerer out of you. Do, do, do. I didn't want to actually sing it because I don't know if um, I'll get in trouble on YouTube for that. But <laughs> Disney seems scary. But uh, yeah, it was giving, it was giving Mulan. Anyway, so the training montage. It's not actually a montage. We actually see it scene for scene play out. But they should have done a training montage. And this movie should have taken place over the span of, you know, a little longer than, like, what, 48 hours? If that, it might just be one night. I, I wasn't 100%. Because we just, we see them go all over the place. And it seems like it's taking a long time. But we only see them at night. So I'm not 100% sure. This might just be one night. Oh, I'm sorry. I just noticed that someone said Rob needed to apologize. And I'm going to go ahead and say, Mike, you're right. Rob does need to apologize. I don't know what for you either. Anyway, back to the plot. All right. So the ring, and I do want to address this. So the ring projects electrical energy of your nervous system into the physical world. Without the ring, the wizard is powerless. And they also need pointy shoes, which I think is funny. But I'm pretty sure the whole thing with the ring is that they just didn't want to use wands. Which I'm pretty sure Mickey used in Fantasia. He used a wand. I'm not 100% sure. I don't quite remember. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't rewatch it. I just rewatched the scary. It's in vignettes. And I just rewatched the scary one with the mountain monster. Because that's the best one. <laughs> I think that was just made uh, to show off. Or so Disney could show off their animation skills. Because uh, it was 1940. And to show off uh, their, I think it was similar to, to Looney Tunes. They had like a big like music archive and they wanted to use some of the music. So they just animated vignettes to it. Um, although I do think Fantasia is very pretty. I like the pink elephant one. Anyway, that's not the here nor there. Back to the plot. Doc Ock gets an apprentice from a cook at a corner deli, which I think is weird. He hooks him up with an apprentice and it's a magician Known as Drake Stone. And I love Drake Stone. Look at this man. Ridiculous. He's awesome. I love him. He's Lestat de Leoncourt. He's absolutely Lestat de Leoncourt. Same human being. Uh, although this guy looks like he's from Depeche Mode. Dave was right. He does. He does. And he's wearing these chunky heeled boots. Oh, I have such... A love for knee-high, chunky-heeled boots. I want the lavender ones like Daphne from Scooby-Doo. But, you know, I got an appreciation for this man's style. Way to go, Drake, uh, yeah, Drake Stone. I also noticed that Drake Stone and Dave Stutler, both the apprentices have the same initials, DS. I don't know if there's any reason for that. Just something noted. And then I thought I was crazy. But I noticed that IMDb noted that too. Also didn't give a reason. I thought maybe they would. But nothing. Because so like when I read that they, they had mentioned that too. I was like, oh, okay. And then it didn't say anything further. I'm like, oh, what a letdown. I don't know why I felt that was important to know. But there you go. <laughs> Cut to Malthazar warns Dave away from seeing Becky. But he literally ditches him to go be with her. While Balthazar is like, love is a distraction. <laughs> Dave and Becky walk to the subway where they get mugged at knife point. Dave gets Becky's grandmother's bracelet back by hovering a trash can behind the mugger and setting it on fire and then hitting him over the head with it. A little excessive. You're compensating, Dave. You're compensating. He names his fists thunder and lightning. Oh, God. I hate this man. I hate him. Uh, romance stuff. They go out. They should be studying. He shows her his Tesla coil. Um, I'm sure we all kind of know what those do. Um, it's it's it produces electricity. Apparently, he was he starts explaining like plasma to her as if she doesn't know what plasma is. Like this movie really thinks that the people watching it 
are very stupid. Like, I know it's aimed at children, but even then, it's really talking down to people. Like, I feel like there's a way to do all this without being so condescending. I don't know. Anyway, he gets her into his cage. It's a Faraday cage. Um, if you are familiar with Lost, that's why Daniel Faraday was named that. It was after the Faraday cage after Michael Faraday. And basically this cage is so that you can, um, it's like a electro, it blocks electromagnetic fields um, or electric fields rather so that you can be around electricity without getting electrocuted. And so you will probably see one around a Tesla coil to ensure safety. Uh, sadly, like when he's talking about his Tesla coil and his cage, none of it's really, it's all very literal. None of it's a euphemism. Then he makes lightning music. That's really all I'm going to say about that. Moving on. Drake Stone and Dave meet in a bathroom and then Doc Ock joins them. And Doc Ock asks, where is she? And Dave has no idea what he's talking about. And he realizes that uh, Balthazar isn't telling him everything. <gasps> Drama. <laughs> and this music, this movie has a huge focus on love that, if I'm being honest, I don't like. It's not well written. It's not good. I'm going to get more on the female characters later. Although I don't know why the movie didn't. Uh, so Balthazar shows up. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I also wanted to note that the, the movie is equating a crush with love, which I also really don't like. But anyway, then Balthazar shows up. And long story short, Doc Ock gets a Hungarian mirror tricked and he's trapped behind a mirror. And I think we really, like, we need an evil queen right now. And thankfully, we in fact actually do have an evil queen and his name is Drake Stone. Ah. Fabulous. I love him. <laughs> he gets him out later. But uh, meanwhile, Pavazar tells Dave Morgana is in the Matrushka and that he, Dave, is the prime Merlinian. And I just felt like the Buffy intro should be playing here. In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness. Dave is the prime Merlinian. Enter. Scruffy Nerf Herder, or just Nerf Herder, rather. Can you tell, like, this movie was making me mad? <laughs> so, Balthazar Exposition dumps the same stuff that was in the intro, because we needed it again. Cool, cool, cool. Morgana, blah, blah, blah. The Rising, blah, blah, blah. Slave Mankind, blah, blah, blah. Zombie Apocalypse, blah, blah, blah. Plymarinian. Balthazar is very old. The dragon ring, blah, blah, blah. Dave's related to Merlin, question mark. His calling is to defeat Morgana. Yada, yada, yada. We've heard all this. Moving on. Doc Ock has to see Dave's school file. And literally, Obi-Wan's his way through it. You don't need to see my faculty identification card. I'm not the droid you're looking for. <sighs> anyway, so from that, he gets the location of Dave's secret laboratory. Should have called him Dexter. Dave is such a boring name for a wizard. Just saying it. Although now half as boring as Ron or Harry. You know what? Let's not get into this. England, you need to work on your names. Just saying. Inti ways. Balthazar saves Dave because he was in peril again. And they start talking about uh, human fusion. Because that's essentially what Veronica did with Morgana. Although it wasn't, uh, you know, it was against Morgana's will, obviously. But Balthazar needs to learn how to do this so that he can take Morgana out of Veronica. That seems like a euthanism, but I'm being very literal. No double entendres here. This movie's not smart enough for that. <laughs> Balthazar saves Dave again. And Balthazar tells him to... Oh, the, I'm sorry. What did he save him from? He saved it from the literal Fantasia montage... So there's mops going crazy and his Tesla coils are in danger and everything's multiplying and it's all underwater, blah, blah, blah. Balthazar comes in and saves Dave from that and tells him to stop worrying and start believing in yourself. You will not control your magic if you will not control yourself, which honestly doesn't make sense. It should have been you will not control your magic if you cannot control yourself. But the lesson is 
believe in yourself and practice. Like, don't just start doing advanced stuff if you've never done anything before and then get bummed out that you failed because, of course, you failed. You have to practice first. You have to take these lessons step by step. And that's the, the point of the poem as well. Balthazar tells Dave, who is being a pissy little brat, to be honest, uh, that he doesn't know any. you don't know what a living hell is, but then backs up and says, but you are making progress. See, this is positive feedback. It's almost a feedback sandwich, which I'm a very firm believer in. I do think that's the most effective way to communicate and to teach uh, people and to ensure that people are improving uh, their on their job or education or whatever. Like, and that's why, generally speaking, that kind of that's what's taught because it is effective. Um, and it helps to build confidence and it shows that Balthazar is a good teacher and Dave's a little shit. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Dave, I just didn't like Dave. Dave takes the ring off and shows that he can't do magic without it, which the Primerlinian is supposed to be able to do. And blah, blah, blah. Mopes off. He goes for a mopey boy walk around New York City and spies on Becky. It's not cute, but Becky follows him to a rooftop this girl keeps going to secondary locations with men. Girl, don't. Don't go to a secondary location. Ask yourself, what would J.J. Bittenheimer do? What's his name? J.J. Bittenheimer? That's not it. You know who I'm talking about. Mustache man. Uh, Dave duh, has some self-recognition and notes that 10-year-old him was far cooler than 20-year-old him. And Becky lies to his face, telling him he 20-year-old him's all right. He's not. We cut to uh, Drake Stone and Doc Ock, who show up at the lab and attack Balazar. They get the Matrushka. And we get Doc Ock's, I don't know, motivation. It's always been about that. That being Veronica chose him instead of... Uh, shows Balthazar instead of Doc Ock. See, you know, like this is why we have the rule of two, okay? The Sith did it right. You can't have three apprentices because then you get a love triangle. Can't have a love triangle with two people, all right? It's less messy. Rule of two. Rule of two. <laughs> Balthazar uh, gets out and they fight. Balthazar ends up Almost losing with Dave comes in and saves him. And then they take the Phantom, which is the car, out and chase after the about, uh, chase after Doc Ock, Drake, Stone, and the Matryoshka because they got it. Balthazar ends up giving another exposition dump about how he fell in love with Veronica. And then Doc Ock also fell in love with her, but they were best friends. And she chose Balthazar in front of or instead of Doc Ock, so Doc Ock turns evil. It's almost like he wasn't enough. And Dave starts to care about the mission now. Like, I'm sorry, was the potential of the apocalypse not important enough? There needed to be a love story in there for you? Okay, so then we get to Balthazar gets trapped in a Persian quick rug, which is basically quicksand, but a rug. Does the rug have to be Persian? I don't know. Can it be an imitation Persian quick rug? I have follow-up questions, but got all good answers. Dave finds and takes Matrushka, Maronica slash Morgana slash Veronica, I just portmanteaued that. Uh, Morgana slash Veronica are the only ones left. All the others had been released. Dave gives up the ring and the Matrushka to get Becky back. I forgot to mention Becky, because this is not important. Beck was abducted by the previous sorcerer to be released from the doll, who was uh, Abigail Williams. Um, one of the, I think she was the first kid uh, to make a, a claim that there was witchcraft in Salem back in the 1600s. Uh, Abigail Williams, like in real life. Um, 
And then she had abducted Becky. Yeah, Beck's useless. This whole plotline's dumb. Blah. Balthazar flies to Battery Park to fight Doc Ock and Morgana. Dave tells Becky he's a sorcerer. This romance would work better if they. I think that this romance would work better if they had been together for a long time and it wasn't like they're just getting together now. I think if they had been together since they were kids and they like had a childhood friendship, it morphed into a romance. They've been together for a long time, and this was happening now. That would work way better. Still pointless, but it would work better. <laughs> Moving on. Dave calls Bennett and asks him to come to the lab. Bennett is very happy that Dave is participating. I could care less. I would rather watch a movie about Bennett. Beck decides to help because I don't know or care. Dave helps in the wizard battle with science. So Beck goes up to this. Goes on top of a building to move a satellite dish to disrupt the magic spell. Okay. It, I feel like they went so far out of their way to make her relevant. And she's... I just don't care about her. A lot of extra steps. You know? A lot of extra steps. Balthazar and Duck Ock um, are fighting while Morgana, who's now released in Veronica's body, is doing the rising. A statue of a bull chases Balthazar, but then the eagle that he brought to life earlier comes and takes the bull away it's very strange i don't know kind of cool though balthazar begins transferring morgana's soul into his body so he can speak to veronica morgana then exits his body killing balthazar and takes on like an astral form and starts shooting fire at them and then dave blocks without his ring Oh, yes, he is, in fact, the Prime Meridian because, obviously, Dave sends a Kamehameha at Morgana and then it becomes a chi battle with lightning. Uh, they fight and then Dave sciences with some lightning and key blasts. It's ridiculous and dumb and he wins. Woohoo! But Balthazar's dead. But he's completed his quest. Veronica's alive, though. So Dave revives Balthazar. About the time Veronica kiss. That's the last time we see him in the movie. Becky finds Dave. They kiss. They fly away to France. There's an after credit scene where someone grabs a hat. You're supposed to infer that Doc Ock is still alive at the end of this. Woof. I like it. But, like, it's a fun movie to watch while you're watching it. But when you stop and think about it, it's like, oh, this is... Yeah. Fine. It's fine. I just... You know... Like, what was Morgana's motive? Like, this woman wants to destroy the world... Bring about the zombie apocalypse and destroy the world. But for what? For why? She barely has any dialogue. She's just evil lady being evil lady. I don't like that. To be honest, like, if you're going to give me a powerful queen, give me some, make her story interesting. Give her a story. Um, I mean, I guess they gave Doc Ock one, but his, his story is I was rejected. So now everyone needs to die. Seriously. (sighs) We need to stop doing that. It's really annoying and sad boy. And, like, what's the, the, per, like, the every woman's purpose in this movie, except for Morgana's, is to be a pretty woman who's desired by men. That's it. It's, it's, I'm not into it. You're right, William Harold. This movie does have a powerful queen, and their name is Drake Stone. I love Drake Stone. Did I mention that? He's, why couldn't he be the main character? I feel like, and maybe that's because I've been watching, okay, part of the problem might be because I've, I was, I'm re-watching Dawson's Creek and Dave is giving Dawson and I just can't stand Dawson. Why is Dawson the main character? When Joey and Pacey are both 
right there, right there. Or like sex education. Why is Otis the main character when Eric, Adam, Ola, Lily, all of these interesting people are right there. And Otis is the main character. Why? So many TV shows and movies give us this bland, boring, straight, white guy, or sometimes even straight, white chick characters, and really interesting, diverse side characters, where it's like, why are they, why is this wet rag of a potato the main character, when you have the most interesting person who's ever lived standing next to him, or them, and they're not the main character? What the fuck? Uh, it's just annoying. And it's like, you gave us, you gave us Dave Stutler over Drake Stone. And I didn't mention that Doc Ock killed Drake Stone because I really couldn't do it. Hurt. It just hurt, you know, deep down in that place, you know, where you have the things. What are they? Feelings. It hurt in the, in the feelings. Ugh. Terrible. But yeah, overall, I really like Nick Cage's performance in this as Balthazar. I think it is pretty diverse from almost any other character he's played, really. And I wish we would see more Nick Cage like this because he seemed like he was having a really good time. He's obviously very confident in his abilities as a performer. And he can do these really interesting, quiet, retrospective characters like in City of Angels. But he can also do like kind of quiet, mischievous like here. But he can, of course, we know we, he can do loud and bombastic and he can do wild and he can do everything in between. And I think sometimes people just want to ignore that for just the bombastic ones. But I think this is kind of one of his, his best films in terms of like his performance. Like this is legitimately... I. I this isn't like an Oscar worthy kind of thing, but it's just like, he's just there having a good time and it comes across like, it, like you can feel that like off the screen, like it, it comes across as he's having like just a fun time because it's not a serious movie and he can just like go with it. Uh, I wish it had been better written. I wish it, I'm going to call this the Ferris Bueller effect because if you, I do have a, a review of that on my channel. Uh, and I kind of go into it regarding the sexism in that. But, you know, Sloan, it, it and I, I've mentioned this a number of times in different, you know, videos and stuff. But it's the, the, the female character exists just to be desired by men. Like, Laura Mulvey is rolling in her grave. I have no idea if she's dead or not. Awkward if she isn't. Um, but you know what I mean? Where it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Do better, writers. And stop having people go to second locations without it being a concern. It should be JJ Bittenbinder. That's his name, Bittenbinder. JJ Bitterbite. Bitten, never mind. <laughs> JJ Bittenbinder would be disappointed in you. Don't go to secondary locations. And if you do find yourself caught off guard by someone and you think they're a little weird, yes, definitely mention that someone's looking for you right now. Even if they're not. Even if they're not. Make it seem like they are. Pull out your phone. Pretend to make a call. Pretend to be on a call. Uh, or call someone. And have a have a cup. I definitely have had this. You have that friend where you have like a, a password. So if you call them and they know that like you're in trouble. So you have like the emergency one or the not as not as bad. Like you have like the 911. Like the code red and the code orange. Code red, code orange. Like like passwords. So you know that like something's up yes anyway safety first ladies and gentlemen and cats and dogs and germs and mice and all the things in between and other and else <sighs> okay so i think that'll about do it oh i wanted to give my uh, recommendation my pairing my cage pairing so i would say with this film i what movie would be good with this movie i had one an idea earlier and i totally forgot i do think that the Night of the Museum movies would be really good with it. Or maybe like a better wizard story. The Love Witch. <laughs> That'd be an interesting one. 
And anyway, um, you can find me kind of on the interwebs um, under Instagram. And yeah, under Instagram at the Horror Explorer. Also on Instagram under Cage Unleashed. YouTube, I'm Legolian13. This show, um, as well as Characters of Culture, I do on Rob Fishback Network. And I do a review show of the TV series V on PLD Projects. In two ways, it's been a blast. And have a great one, I guess. <laughs>